guys, it's Janice. If you love this podcast and you've gotten great value and maybe a bit of entertainment out of past episodes, please consider a donation in support of both my podcast fees and my coffee habit. There's no obligation. Just click the link below and thanks so much for your support. Now on to today's episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, hey, and welcome to Connections Coffee and Confidence with me, Janice. In episode 79, I had a conversation with Rena Friedman Watts. She's the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast and just a marketer extraordinaire. Now, I had to edit that conversation down quite significantly because I tend to have my interviews run roughly an hour. But there was so much goodness and there was so much fun and I got such great feedback on this episode that I decided to replay it in a more fuller format. So if you listened to the first episode, now you're going to get a chance to hear what you missed. And if this is your first time, well, I can't wait for you to listen. And here she is, Rena Friedman Watts. Hi, I'm Janice Fogarty, and I'm a communications strategist and consultant. The Connections Coffee Confidence Podcast is for professional women entrepreneurs who have established themselves and their business, and they're ready to get serious about using the power of communication to surpass their business goals. On this podcast, I discuss everything from leadership to establishing a business vision to the intricacies of creating messaging, publicity, and more. I speak to women who excel in communications in their business, whatever they do, and get an inside look at how they created a thriving livelihood. So top up your mug and welcome to this week's episode. Um, I, actually, I made a note to myself, don't forget to hit record um, because I'm always terrified that I remember hearing you tell a story one time actually about talking to your dad and like the one time you didn't hit record and now he asks you all the time I was like I better make a note here that (laughs) hit record Janice hit record literally every single time we connect (laughs) can you hear me are we recording can you hear me did you hit record it's like a broken record. God love him. He's got my back. I was going to say, he's looking after you. <laughs> but I know you make one mistake one time. 
It's true. It's true. Yeah. He's very careful. Now. Yeah. But at least you've got somebody who's doing that. Like if, if I don't catch it, it's not being caught. <laughs> I have had an entire hour long conversation with someone without hitting record once. Oh, um, my heart hurts right now. Literally. I was just like, I can't do that again. <laughs> like, I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we connected, but like, do you really like want to reconnect and just tell me all of that again? Again. I know. Sometimes it totally kills it. I know. I know. And I, you know, I had the same kind of situation, similar, but different where my audio was like really crackly. It was a tough interview. And I just decided like, I'm going to edit out whatever kind of crackles and crinkles I can. And, and, and I'm going to roll with it. Cause like you said, I, I was, we were never going to have that conversation again, even from going from having like a quick intro chat a couple of days earlier to hitting record. The dynamic had changed. Like her, her whole approach had changed. And I was like, yeah, I had a roll with it. I had a similar situation where I interviewed a guy who went to jail for murder and I felt like there was magic in that episode and the audio I had to run through a filter yeah and there was some back and forth with the editor and I was like you can't recapture that magic let's just air it and people liked it it was fine yeah I think sometimes we make a bigger deal out of it than what it is in reality or how people receive it so one thing that you said to me too is like how things have grown like over the last year of us knowing each other I really believe if you show people your pauses and you show people some of your imperfections like my hair does not always look good I am not always wearing makeup sometimes I've just come from a run people you run to that I don't relate to that <laughs> unless you're being chased then I understand <laughs> like, so for the last year I wasn't running but I just started okay. but I'm just saying like showing yeah, the what you're really going through showing yeah. the messy hair showing the not makeup showing the with makeup showing the hair looking good showing the hair not looking good showing the rehearsed intro and showing the intro where you paused for a minute because you forgot what you were exactly going to say. Like, sometimes I actually just roll with that. Like how much nitpicking can you do? And people really don't prefer polished. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like from my background where I've like my background's all in, in PR and I've done all the media training where you rehearse your messaging and you like, you drill that and you get that down and it is like a well-oiled machine. And, and then the world changed and people like, you still have to have a message and you still have to be able to deliver it and, and know what you're talking about, but you can be human in your approach and people I find are a lot more sympathetic, you know, like the standard for what you deliver, it still has to be good. Like it still has to be intelligent and personable or whatever, but it doesn't have to be the high polish. I even experiment still, 
like if I have a funny headshot of one of my guests, sometimes I don't put the little better call daddy branding on it. And I'll just put the picture of the guest and I'll share that in my story or I'll share it on Facebook. And then I'll do the branded one on Instagram because my feed is branded. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like the one that doesn't have the branding on it will get more interaction. Isn't that funny? And that's one of the things that I, like, I really love about you is that you, and I know I'm just, I'm just jumping in now. We're just jumping. We're rolling. Um, it's one of the things that I love about you is that you do experiment and you try and you ask questions and you, um, and it's funny because I was actually in a group the other day and I, a woman had come on and I was talking and I said to her, you know, like, there's this woman, you need to go and look at her because she's just throwing stuff out to see what's interesting, to see what sticks. There's no personal attachment there. It's like, I don't get the feeling that you have a personal attachment to the questions that you put out or um, the people that you are speaking to. I mean, you're respectful and you're, you're a good interview, but it's not like, oh, they need to like me. No, you're there. You're getting their story. Um, yes. And that's really 100%. hard for a lot of people. It is. I think too, I heard, I heard a woman talking about this today, how she has a hard time knowing. And I think a lot of people have a hard time knowing like how much of a conversation to have first. Yeah. How much getting to know the person do you have to do first before you can tell them about your business? Or like, I feel like that's one of my strengths. I've done like the strength finder thing. It's like my number one strength is woo. And that's winning people over. I feel like there's a bit of an art to like knowing who you have to research and who you have to handhold, you know, who needs to have a conversation with you beforehand in order for them to trust you and open up and who's just going to be like ready to rock and roll and flow with it. Yeah. Like if you're getting a bigger guest and they're only going to give you 20 minutes, there's going to be no handholding there. You better do your research. So I've had that situation, but again, come prepared. You like, you better listen to them on at least two or three other podcasts and stock their social. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I find sometimes people don't, don't do that. It doesn't oh, even cross don't. their mind or there's the odd person who's like, oh, that's kind of creepy or that's a little personal. I don't, oh, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, dude, how, like, you need to know who you're talking to and how they interact and like be nosy, be curious, oh, yeah. find that stuff out. There's rules around that too. There's a lot on Google <laughs> and I have had mistakes where I have brought things up that I have found that have rubbed people the wrong way. That's only happened a few times right. out of almost 200 episodes, but I would rather make that mistake and go after my curiosity and try to ask the questions that interest me and try to get the story that nobody else has told, because that's the part I enjoy mm -hmm. and apologize later. How much of what you do is strategy and how much is scratching an itch to get the story 
Yeah, I definitely think it's leaning more towards scratching the itch, but I will say that I have done a lot of things in my career and I feel like all of that experience, like planning lunch and learn events, booking big guests for other podcasters, being a co-host of another show, working in radio, working in casting, being a post-production supervisor, all of those skills have lended to what I'm doing now. Yeah. So yes, I'm scratching an itch with the stories that I'm finding, but I'm also trained at casting stories. I'm trained as working as a field interviewer, as a post-production supervisor, I know what part of the story to include and what I can scratch off. Yeah. And yeah. so like, what, I- what is your background? Can you explain like to I me? Said, I've done, <laughs> I've done so many things. Um, my very first job, I started off as an intern for the Jerry Springer show Yeah. and I worked my way up from intern to producer in one season. So I really learned all of the roles in production, you know, an intern got to entertain the guests, got to listen to the associate producers booking the guests, the associate producer casted the guests, pitched the stories to the producer, got on the phones, had to make sure that the people came to town, had to work with the guests in the green rooms and get them to go on stage. And as a producer, you know, you're writing the scripts, you're managing the budget, you're pitching the executives, you're briefing Jerry backstage. So I've done all of those things, mm-hmm. which was such an incredible training ground. After yeah. that, I did try sales for a couple of months and that was not my thing. I was like, if I can talk <laughs> people to doing crazy things on national television, I could probably sell some sporting event packages, but it was much different. So I moved from Chicago to LA and started all the way over. Like I did not know anyone, even though I got into the producer's guild and had access to internal job postings and saw jobs that I would dream of having just working as a producer on one show did not really get me to that producer level right away. I had to then go from producer to executive assistant to three producers who had worked in the industry for 30 years. But what was great about that, I worked for the Kyoto brothers. I've actually interviewed them now, 15 years later on my show. And they just came out with a Netflix special last year. And to see their progress has just been truly amazing. But I worked for a special effects animation company in Burbank. I took an executive assistant role. I learned the business side of the film industry. So I helped with accounts payable and receivable and all the time cards and SAG contracts and being on set and really being behind the scenes, which was just another side of show business that I didn't know. And then from there, I became a field interviewer at VH1. And then from there, I worked my way back up to post-production supervisor and got to work with voiceover talent and making sure the show was cut to the right amount of time and handled all the deliverables to the executives and all of these things stacked on each other. And then I got married, had a little uh, stint of having three kids in four years and taking Mm. some time off to be a mom and then kind of tippy-toed my way back into the entertainment industry where when my kids were in preschool, I did court research for a couple different court TV shows. So that was something I could do while they were 
playgroup for four hours. I would go to all the courthouses and go through the small claims cases and fulfill that story junkie in me of finding the best stories and then keeping up with some of the producers that I knew in LA. I mean, I could just keep going. So that turned into me then casting for America's Got Talent. That turned into me working on Divorce Court. That It was like that entrepreneurial thing of, hey, I can hustle and work on different shows and learn new skills. And then I decided to take a corporate gig and try corporate America for a bit. I was a program manager at a voiceover IP company in the telecom space. I started planning lunch and learns there. Then I wanted something closer to home where I didn't have to take the train back and forth downtown and manage my kids being with a nanny. So I took a job at a financial firm, got insurance license, sold, tried that. <laughs> that is like a total sideways, not even a step. That's like so different. It is, but I'll tell you the, the thread there was I can market anything. Hmm. Right. And so I was marketing these financial events. I'm like really good at getting people in the room, whether Mm -hmm. that's in the entrepreneur space, whether that's in the voiceover IP space, whether that's in the financial space, I do prefer working with entrepreneurs though. I did figure that out after the financial firm. So I met a girl who's also been on my podcast. Her name is Shauna Arnaud. And I hired her when I was working at the financial firm to help me put together one of these financial seminars because she did like event planning, met her through LinkedIn. And she found out that planning these financial seminars were a lot harder and different than the entrepreneurial Gary V events that she was planning. Right. And so when she found out I wanted to leave there, she was like, hey, you could help me with sponsorships for the Gary V event. I was like, oh yeah, I totally want to do that. And so I did. I ended up booking Spirit Airlines and I booked this other guy who gave me a sponsorship that we connected through LinkedIn. And I was like, maybe I should help people with sponsorships for their events because not everybody can do that. No. So I tried that for a while and I helped people market their events and get sponsorships for their events. And I worked for some influencers doing that. And I tried that and then constant pivoting, constant pivoting, like figuring out where people need help. Where can I add value? Where does my mojo work? And then just doing it and doing it. And look, now I'm telling people, you know, I don't really want to do sponsorships anymore. It's actually more work than you want to pay me for. And you know what? I don't really want to book you on podcasts because maybe I don't like the way that you conduct business. But then, you know, through my podcast and meeting 200 people, there are people that I do want to do business with. And they're like, Hey, can I pay you to do this? And I'm like, I'll try that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's, it's constantly like, entertaining things that come your way and like getting into the flow of that and saying yes to things that sound great that you want to try and being able to leave it when it doesn't work or, you know, working with somebody for six months and saying, this isn't really like going the way that I want, or, um, I feel like I've done enough for you. Like maybe I should introduce you to someone else. It's, it's referrals. It's figuring out who your niche market is. It's, It's so much pivoting. And a lot of connecting and networking. And I love the fact that you don't seem to let people go. And they, like, obviously the Kyoto brothers remembered you. Or they would not have agreed to come on your podcast or might not have. So that speaks very highly to you and your ability to make an impact and to um, have a lasting impression. But do you find it difficult 
to keep up with all of your different connections or is that just part of how you how you live your life I do think that some connections are for a season and some connections are for lifetime. The Kyoto brothers were like a family run business. They were so cool and rooted for me so much that they let me be an executive assistant, take that job on VH1 for six weeks and come back. Did they let me do that twice? No, but they let me do that once. And like, I was close with their wives. I, you know, was close with their kids. Mm -hmm. They, they were like a special chapter. There are special people like that. Like I even worked for a guy on Nanny 911, Rusty Austin. I'm going to shout him out. And he took me from season one to season three. He even, you know, offered me an opportunity on another show. There are some people that you just like want to ride on their coattails. And there's some that you're like, this was great. I learned a ton. I made some amazing connections through you. And like, I need to do me now. Yeah. That's fair enough. I think, I think that's, uh, and you try to leave on the best terms that you can and (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And everybody accepts that. I mean, that's life. (laughs) Totally. That's that's life. (laughs) And that's entrepreneurship. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. If you're open enough to meeting all the different people, you're going to find the people you want to stick with or the people you want to just stick with for now. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, like, my head is reeling with all the everything that you've done. Like that's like, my head is just like, Holy God, I'm tired. Just listening to you now. You're so crazy. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I just, I feel like people have done more and I'm like, what are they going to ask me? I'm like, I feel like most people want to know about my Springer chapter. That's like, and you know, what's really funny about that is that that was my first job out of college. So like, I did not realize like what a special opportunity that was until much later. I thought Mm. it was going to be so easy to get those kind of opportunities again and again. Whereas I did end up working on some cool shows. It took me like two years to get up to that title level again. Yeah, I, I did something similar at a university. I moved across to the other side of the country and I was a manager in the communications shop for uh, one of the ministries, Ministry of Education with one of the provincial governments. And I ended up being speechwriter for the minister and she was also the deputy premier of the province. So, and I mean, with something like education, you get a lot of exposure there. And I was like... Yeah, so um, I'm actually just going to go live in Ireland now. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And I've never made that much money ever again in my entire career. (laughs) I left Springer with no backup plan. I literally (sighs) like produced the season opener for like the third season that I was going into with them. And one of my guests came up to me and said to me, how can you live with yourself? And let me tell you, I was already getting burnout. Like I didn't even realize what that terminology meant at the time, but I definitely was. I was living and breathing that show, that life, all of it. And he said that to me. And I literally was like, walked in with the senior producer and the executive producer. And they were like, tell me how great of a show it was. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'll take the white box. Here's the security. 
scanning card or whatever. And I know I like, I really thought that something else was going to come easily and it didn't. I, I interviewed all around and I just, then I realized that there wasn't a lot of television opportunity in Chicago. There was like working for ad agencies, sales jobs, that kind of stuff. But it was basically like Oprah, Jenny Jones, maybe one other show. Like there was not a lot of opportunity. I was like, time to move. Yeah. And I, I can totally relate. Like I took a two month sales job after that. It was so not a fit. It was like chop shop, like fold out tables and like cowbells every time they like made a sale. And I literally like went out for a smoke break and never came back. Like (laughs) all my stuff on the table and was like, they called me like an hour later. They were like, are you coming back? I was like, nope. (laughs) Keep the binder. Oh my gosh. So irresponsible, so carefree, had money in my savings and was like, well, let's move to LA. Yeah. No, I, I went and I'm sure they're not going to come after me now. I went and overstayed my visa and worked illegally and eventually got legal. And, um, and I mean, ended up with citizenship and all my boys are born there and like I was there for almost 11 years. So that is so cool. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That was not, that was not in the plans, but that's, that's what uh, worked out. How cool is that? And, and look, like when I worked at Springer, they used to pay you like sabbatical over the summer. Like you work like nine months straight, like practically no days off. Like you were living and working a job. And then it's like a a school teacher kind of, except for you work like a hundred hours a week versus however many hours they work. And like, they paid me over the summer. I came back, I produced one show. And then I was like, I'm out of here. (laughs) They were not happy. But let me tell you in that three months, I like went to Italy for a month and like lived it up. I've never done that since. Like I was living like a 20 year old, a 21 year old. I was so young. I was like one of the earliest producers there. Um, And I wasn't used to making that kind of money either. Yeah. And I wanted to be a big city girl and I wanted to experience things. And I did. (laughs) There's so much bravery in everything that you just described like it's brave to walk away from a job like Springer um naive but brave because you're getting paid you know like that's that's a big thing you're getting paid you're on this massive show it's brave to go off and like even to ask to go do that VH1 thing like that took guts I was close with my boss. He was so cool. Like we would go out for lunch and, you know, he would talk about his dreams and him moving to Hollywood. And I shared my dreams with him too. And he like wanted to support that, which is so cool. Yeah. God, if we could all have bosses like that or leadership like that, that like really wanted to make you better or really wanted to be a part of, of your dreams. Yeah, I know when I left the ministry, um, that sounds so weird, Ministry of Education, the deputy premier came to my office and had a little chat and I was thinking, oh no, he's going to tell me I'm so stupid for walking away from this. And 
I didn't know this, but he had daughters my age. And he was like, you should totally do this. You should go to Europe and see the sights and do what you got to do. Drink the beer, eat the food, see what you got to see. Come home when you're ready. And I was like, wow. Okay. Suddenly this doesn't seem like the crazy idea that everybody else is telling me this really is, (laughs) you know, like it was that little bit of validation, that little bit of support uh, that just makes all the difference. Yeah. Like the guy who I was directly reporting to God love him, Roger Medinich. He was like vicariously living through me. Yeah. He was like, you know, take that, do that. You know, we'll still be here. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. He's an adventurer. Yeah. Kindred spirit. There's, there's so many people like that in LA though, that are dream seekers. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Victoria was not really full of dream seekers. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe they're there. I just, um, did not come across them in the provincial government buildings. That's not where they I were hanging bet, out. Though, like you're never going to forget that time in Ireland. Like that. Oh my God. No. Was never. probably so powerful. It was insane. It was the most, it was the most amount of learning about the world and about myself that I never dreamed I needed. Um, you know, and it's funny because I grew up on the East Coast of Canada in one particular province. My dad is a Royal Canadian Mounted Police Officer. So we moved, we moved every two or three years, but we always stayed in the one province. And so I saw all of that. And he ended up retiring on Cape Breton Island. And I went to high school with people who had never been off the island. And this blew my mind. And so I did all my stuff came back home to Canada with the family in tow. We went out West for nine and a half years. And now we're back on the East coast on another itty bitty little tiny Island. Like there's 159,000 people in this province. And my boys are telling me that they're going to school. Most of the kids they're at school with have never been off the Island. And I'm like, man, this is so it's so interesting to see the dichotomy between how they approach situations because we've had them back to Spain. We've had them back to Ireland. They've been like, we've, we've taken them places versus the way that the kids in their classroom who haven't been anywhere approach situations. It's so interesting to see. And it's so interesting to see them all like working around each other and working things out and then like the questioning of like well why do you think that like I love sorry I love seeing that I love seeing the development and the the curiosity and the growth and I don't think it's necessarily what I had grown up with that wasn't I didn't grow up with that and I love seeing it and I love seeing like you going and doing all that stuff like, yeah, I'm super curious now because I'm a mom of four, like your thoughts around how education is going now. Um, it's, you know what, it's, 
incredibly dependent on where you are and what kind of needs you have. Um, where we lived before, I was not terribly impressed. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't very well funded. Like education was not a primary focus of the government of that province. Um, they had good teachers. These teachers put their hearts and souls into doing their absolute best with what they had. But that particular province, Alberta, has had significant challenges around COVID and they would shut everything down and it was all online schooling. So my three boys are all on the autism spectrum and they really like, I don't care what they do in school. They need the social aspect. They're all brilliant. Like not even my words. Those are, those are what the tests say. They're incredibly intelligent people who require people to get used to them. So it's not even something that's um, specific to them either, because when you are a young teenager or when you are in that older preteen age, you really need that socialization. More than anything, I think. But that's it. Like, Oh, and you've got the mess of like the hormones and the everything I'm happening. That and I can tell you, I think the social piece is more important than the education. That's it. That's it. And where we've come to, because, because it's so small and because it's an island, the government here has very, very closely managed COVID. I mean, like we go stretches at a time, like weeks where we have zero cases. We've had times where you don't, you don't need a mask. It's cool. You can have a couple hundred people together because there's no COVID on the island. Um, That's great. It's been amazing. And coming from where we didn't interact with people and there was a lot of stress and there was a lot of fear um, to where we are now, where there's a different bloody festival every, every week. There's activities, there's people are out and they're engaging with each other. And um, particularly my youngest, like I saw such a difference in him going from being absolutely terrified because he's too young even to be vaccinated, going from being really, really anxious to just being like, yeah, I want to go out there and I want to do this and I want to see these people and I love going to school and I'm on the school bus. The difference is so incredible. Like it's really something to see that weight being lifted off. So I don't, I don't know. I think we're in, in so many different ways. I think we're in like a really massive social experiment. Because I agree with that. <laughs> the kids that are, are going through school right now are going through things that none of us have, have gone through and they're going to enter a world that none of us have imagined. So I don't know. I don't know. 
I know you asked me about education and I, I, the workforce is changing too. And the more you bring that up, it's a fire conversation too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was having a conversation with a girlfriend earlier today. She's single, has no children and I'm a mom and I have four children. And she was saying that she felt the people who were single at her company were having to take on more responsibilities and have less leniencies than the people with kids. So I decided to pull my audience about that on LinkedIn. Just say, I was talking to a single friend and I myself am a mom. Boy, there was some heat there. People are like, well, just because, you know, someone single doesn't mean that they don't have the same responsibilities. Doesn't mean they don't have kids. I was like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I was talking to my friend who's single and I'm a mom of four. And we were talking about what work has been like for us. I do realize that there are people that are single and that have kids and that's crazy too. Yeah. (laughs) But boy, that is a heated argument. And whereas I do think it's great that things are changing. I also think things still need to be talked about. There (laughs) is a lot that should be talked about that just isn't. I know I, I get a lot of flack because I do talk about autism. I don't talk about it that much, but when I do talk about it, it's like, you know, you, you shouldn't. And I do mind what I say about our personal lives because they're getting to be an age where it's their choice, whether they tell people their diagnoses or whatever. But like when they were younger, I would get a lot of flack for even taking them to get diagnosed. Like really? Oh, that gives me the chills. Yeah. Yeah. But the way the system is set up, if you don't have that piece of paper signed off by however many doctors or like whatever, then you don't get the supports that you need. And that was the system that I was in. And therefore that was the system I had to, to work, you know? And it's, um, it was really annoying to be judged. I was going to say, like, did you think about getting out of that system? Well, we live here now. And I mean, it's still, yeah, actually coming here has been, it's been amazing. I, I don't even have any other words for it. It's been so good. I'm so close to home. But the supports that are in place, you don't, you don't need to have the piece of paper to get what the kids need for support in the school. Um, So great. It's, it makes a world of difference. Like just today I had a meeting at the school and I mean, there was the vice principal, there was the, the math teacher and there was the resource teacher. And then there was me and my son, he sat in first time ever he's sitting in and he's been struggling with this concept in math. And my kids go to a Francophone school. I don't know what that is. Um, everything's in French. Oh, oh. so, and, cool. and they did like, they did the meeting in English for me because my French will not stretch to talking about specific challenges, but they were like, yeah, okay. So what about a tutor? If we get you a tutor, will that help? And I'm like, I will, I will pay for a tutor. That's totally cool by me. And the vice principal says, and our school board actually pays for the tutor. And I'm like, God bless. Get out. 
are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, anytime the school's like, would you like these additional resources? Like, we feel like your kids need help getting organized. I'm like, yep, I probably need those resources too. Yes. Can I have them too? (laughs) Just send home two of those resources. (laughs) Anytime any additional support is offered, I'm like, wish I would have had that. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's so strange to have it offered. Take the stigma away from that. Yeah. Rather than having to fight for it, because that was exhausting. Don't even use a title. Like, don't tell them what that's called. Just say it's additional support, please. Yes, I want that. I just appreciate, I appreciate the, um, the individualized approach. And I really appreciate the fact that um, the staff are supported and being able to do things like that. Uh, And that goes back to what you were saying, right. With like the good management. Because I've had bad management too. Oh Oh, yeah. You learn lessons from both. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, in this like new world, how do you describe yourself? Like, what do you, when you talk to people, how do you answer the question? What do you do? You know, I was thinking about that since you kind of prepared me and I have pivoted that question umpteen times, but lately I say I help entrepreneurs get seen by building a community or helping them start a podcast, being a part of my podcast community. I think that's really where I'm putting my focus right now. Yeah. Since creating a podcast, I am now helping produce other podcasts which I found is even better than monetizing your own. You know, a lot of people, when they start a podcast, are like, oh, how can I get sponsors? Like so many people want to know that. But the truth is, is once you learn how to do something and you can teach others how to do what you now know how to do, there's more money there. And there's so many people that want to start a podcast now. So I started a podcast, but from my former marketing work, I knew a camera guy here locally in Chicago who was doing a live podcast shoot in the healthcare space. And I had done some marketing for his wife's salon and spa. So he called me up and was like, Hey, if you need help with casting, Rena would be great to help you cast guests. It started like that. Mm -hmm. You know, at first I was just going to help him cast the guests. Then that turned into me directing the shoot. Then that turned into me managing his social. Then that turned into me really like taking over everything. And then another show was like, oh, hey, I saw what you did on that podcast. If I write the questions and we have the guests, can you supervise the recording and supervise the editor and operate as an agency? I was like, yes, I can. So again, it was a pivot, but very complimentary to the work that I was doing. Then I had somebody else who was on the first podcast and he was like, I would like to do internal communications within my own company. So maybe two to three minute segments, one a week talking about the wonderful things that my employees are doing. I'm like, I can totally help you brand that. That's a great idea. You can use it on LinkedIn. You can turn it into a short podcast. There's many ways you can repurpose that content. So again, Mm -hmm. it's like using my marketing. It was a relationship from the first project carried over into a new project. And so many opportunities have come like that. 
I've had a couple of people that were on my show that were like, Hey, can you get me on 10 other shows? I'm like, yes, I can as a service, you know, or, Hey, I love a lot of the guests that are on your show. If I like you. And if we have a relationship, I'm happy to make those introductions as a service, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my relationships too, like you were saying are 20 year relationships. Like you got to know the person that you're making the introduction to before you just decide, like, I'm willing to take money from this person, right? You don't want to just take money from someone. Like you want to know that that's a good shit, a good match. There's integrity to it. That has come though, like through being an entrepreneur for three years in the beginning, I'm just like, let's pay me. Let's work together. Not anymore. Definitely not anymore. The integrity piece has helped me pivot multiple times. Yeah. Especially in life insurance. Like when I caught on to the fact that the people didn't really need those large policies that the person I was working for was selling. I'm like, would I sell that to my friends and family? No. Okay. I can find another job that will pay me what you're paying me. Yeah. And I got the knowledge. I got the license. I could do it myself if that's something that I want to do, but I'm not really so interested in doing it, but went through the exercise of it. And again, honed those skills of getting people into the room, honed the skills of marketing the event, saw what got people to the room, saw what got people to buy the policies. And then I was like, Hey, I can take those skills and market something that I actually believe in or work with people that I actually want to market. (laughs) That's really cool. And tell me when you tell people what you do, do you find there's an understanding or like curiosity or do people glaze over or how does, how does that play? So a lot of people message me and they're like, you help entrepreneurs get seen. How do you do that? I'm like, well, where do you need help? So it definitely does spark an interest. And then I just kind of talk to them and get them to talk. Like, do you need help appointment setting? Do you need help filling your podcast? Do you need help getting media placements? Like, how do you want to get seen? Yeah. What are you up to? I've worked with, uh, you know, an author who wanted to pay me a flat rate to get her five to seven testimonials of hard to reach people that she didn't think she could reach on her own. But the thing is, is she already had 40,000 followers. She already had other best-selling books. She already had a following that I could market. I was like, oh man, you'd be easy to reach out to these folks for. But the thing is too, is like, if you have somebody that knows how to reach out and how to do the messaging, it looks better if somebody's reaching out on your behalf versus you doing it yourself. Hmm. So yeah, I, I worked on two of her books and I feel like I enjoyed that. And, you know, she gave me a list of like 15 people that she would love to have testimonials from. And a couple of the people on the list, I was pretty close to being able to get. And so I was like, let's try it. This sounds fun. This is something new. And it worked out. She hired me again. And then she sponsored my podcast and yeah. I love that. I love that. Can I do that? Not all the time. Can I do that? Sounds fun. Right. Like it, it felt complimentary to what I like doing. Like I had booked people from Erica's Got Talent. I had booked people for the Kathy Heller podcast. You know, some of those relationships were close to who she wanted me to reach out to. So I felt like I haven't done it, but I I think I can. Yeah. Let's try it. And the price is right. Hmm. It's a good combination. And it it was a pretty good timeline. Like she didn't need it right away. So I was like, 
that's another factor. Like, does somebody need it in the next week? Does somebody need it in three months? Right. If they're giving you three months and they're giving you a retainer and they're not giving you a process of how they're just like letting you be yourself. That's fun. It is, that is fun when you can be yourself and your own retainer. I have one client like that. And she was saying to me, like, I think why you, why, what you create for me works so well is because you get me and that comes out. And I'm like, I love that. That's a great compliment. It was massive compliment. And it was true though, because I do get her. I really, I really get her. So it's like, that's easy work. I felt that way with my client too. She saw my strengths in me before I saw them. Mm. She made me take that strength finder test or not made me, but suggested it. And then she was like, you'd be perfect for this. I've actually had clients, not just her, another influencer that I worked with too, was like, Hey, I just want to like, know your strengths, know how we would work best together. Will you take this? And I took it. And then she hired me. She was like, Oh, we're a lot alike. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. And it's also interesting (laughs) that she hired you on the basis that you guys were a lot alike because there's so much, um, like advice where you hire for your gaps. So it's interesting. She was like, I think you could handle this great. Like I would, I don't have the time for this. Yeah. She needed another her. Yeah. That's really cool. That was. And you know what? Like five years ago, that wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, this is the whole going back to what we were talking about earlier about how things have so changed, like the world that our kids are going into, it's there. The expectations are just not the same, you know, like it, I really try even to prepare encourage, them. I, I really try to encourage my kids' talents. Yeah. So one thing I did during the pandemic was I hired a reading and writing tutor for my eight and 10 year old. You were talking about tutors. I felt like as long as they kept up their reading and writing, like over the last year, that that would be something that they yeah, could focus on. And it was like one of the best investments. One, I was supporting an entrepreneur who wanted to go into doing that for children because she found that books really helped her when she was bullied as a child. So I was, I was supporting another entrepreneur and mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't really have the time to stay on top of all four of my kids. So it was like, just yeah, something that I wanted to do. My daughter ended up writing a book and collaborating with the mentor and like finding her voice and like got super creative. And now my son, he took a couple months off from it since school started again, but he actually wanted to start back up with her. I was like, oh, great. Wow. And now my daughter too, like, since, you know, they haven't been able to do so many like physical activities. She's like, you know, like dance isn't being offered and I'm really into art, but a couple of my friends asked me if I wanted to do basketball. She's like, I think I want to try it. I was like, great. Let's yeah. try it. Yeah. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market so oh, i saw her book on your website that is so freaking cute you must be bursting with pride she's bursting with pride which is the bigger blessing yeah she's so proud of herself from putting that together and at one point i'll be honest i was like should I pay to like actually publish this? You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's reasonable. And I was like, you know, I was like, I supported another mompreneur, Shari Perry, that got laid off from Red Bull. And, you know, she did my podcast art. So she did the cover for Celia. And I felt like that was really special. I supported her tutor and I helped her complete something. Like yeah. you said, like when she had to tell her biography of like what it's been like during the pandemic, that was like one of her biggest accomplishments. It wasn't about like what the pandemic was like. It was about a dolphin who couldn't hear music, like how creative. And it's amazing that she like told a story of diversity. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love it. I love the fact that I, I love all of that. I can't even break it down. I just love all of that. I love the supporting other women. I love the supporting your child and helping your daughter see that she's creative and she is capable. And this is what it's like to start a project and see it all the way through. Cause I'm that's not saying not- you have to do that with everything. Like I do believe in trying things and when, when they're not for you walking away from them. Yes. But also, like you said, finish something. And she finished that. And I helped her with like the finishing touches. Like she formatted that she worked with the tutor and illustrated the inside. She, it was such a creative process. Yes. Thank you for acknowledging that. And let me tell you something else too. Like I'm getting ready to be a part of a photo shoot this weekend with, um, a girl who our relationship has been over the past couple of years too. Like she had an idea to create a magazine and she wanted it to be around like body positivity and mompreneurship and courage and confidence and all of these things. And I'm taking my daughter to that shoot. Oh, you know, I interviewed a guy who stopped a synagogue shooting in San Diego. I brought my daughter to that shoot. She sat in the back, but saw the policeman and, you know, Yes. I want to show my daughter through experiences, kind of like you were saying, you showed your, your children through experiences and and through the world, a different education. Yeah. What you're not being taught in school. That's so formative. And she's young enough not to be jaded by the teenage crap that our kids get inundated with. Otherwise she's just going to get like sucked into TikTok. Like, you know, what's so funny. Like she wants to do TikTok. I, I, I haven't let her get on there, but she has like a bunch of them in drafts. And you know what? She can be girly. Like 
I, I did get her a ring light and she does have a phone with no access, you yep. know, other than at home. Yeah. And I, you know, I've even done some of the little silly dances with her and I want her to express herself and, and have friends and all of those things. But this entrepreneurship thing is such a powerful tool, much more yeah. powerful than that much more positive. And, and I share with her the wins, the struggles, the losses, all of it. I even after the speaking event, like I used to get really nervous in front of a crowd. I, on the way there, I put on some music and I was like throwing my hands in the air. We were like dancing on the way there. And then <laughs> afterwards, when I felt like it went pretty good, I popped that music back on and we were singing. She's like, Hey, my brother needs a winter coat. I'm like, let's stop and do that too. I'm like, need a new pair of jeans, you know? And like, we like, celebrated together. She saw my nervous energy on the way in. She saw me looking at my notes and my cue cards and like looking a little unprepared and not knowing where she should sit. And she saw all of it. She saw you not a hundred percent, but doing it anyway. Exactly. And that's massive. That's massive. So your daughter is basically going to rule the world or the I U.S. Wish I could do that for all my kids. Actually, my husband was like, are you going to do that for our sons too? But there's something about doing that for your daughter. <sighs> Maybe because I am one of three girls and I didn't have a mom that did that for me that I feel like more that I need to do that for her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any daughters and I was the only girl. And I was like the second girl in two generations. Really? So yeah. Yeah. I feel like I do my bit by trying to raise boys that are a little bit better equipped to deal with women as equals, as people. That's huge too. It's it's all balancing the scales, you know, and allowing them to have their emotions and like encourage them to have their emotions. And that's like, that's multi-layered because of the, the autism spectrum and all that jazz and hormones and whatever. But there are still a lot of uh, societal norms that don't want boys to show their emotions. And I'm like, no, you know, there's a time and a place. Like nobody needs to burst out crying in the grocery store, but when you get home, yeah, that's, time and place and have your emotions and you feel them and you work through them. And then, you you know, you get up and you do your next day and without a daughter, it's all I can do. (laughs) I love emotional guys. I totally married one. Yeah. My dad's emotional too. I, I like guys who wear their heart on their sleeve. Yeah. I did just recently read a book Oh my God. I forgot the name of it. I think it's like diary of an oxygen thief. Have you heard of that? I don't think so, but it's a really good title. Yeah. It's totally about a guy from Ireland and he talks about that. Yeah. There's even, even, <laughs> yeah. Was that hard for you to adjust to like that? It, there was so much that was so hard for me to adjust to, to even realize Everybody always said to me, oh, God, you'll have no problem fitting in. It'll be, it'll be great. They all speak English. Yeah, but no. <laughs> Even the English is different. But um, 
they do some things that are absolutely bloody fantastic. They do community. They do um, fun. They live life. They travel, they explore, they educate through experience. I mean, anywhere you go, the Irish are there. And that's been, that has been one of the things that I have absolutely loved about my husband is that wherever we have gone, we've always had a ready-made community because the Irish just gravitate together and they work together and they support each other. And they, I mean, you know, people are people, but for the most part, we've always had a really good community that looked out for you and took care of you and made sure you were fed. And, you know, like Canadians are really good, but we're really polite. We are polite. We're very polite. And the Irish are just, they're great crack, as they say, they're great crack. And that's what I've, so it was very strange for me to go from like here where everybody's very polite and like you do your thing and like you have your drink and then you leave to go into somebody's house unannounced six hours later you're still eating you're still drinking people are still coming the kids are everywhere you're just community and fun and and that was really different (laughs) I think it's so great that you mix things up like that. And I think people need to be more adventurous and mix things up. Like, look, I know morning routines are good. And like, you know, it's great to get your kid to school on time. And it's great to do your workout at X time of day, but take a different freaking route. Like go to a new coffee shop and show up 15 minutes late and run into somebody else that doesn't get there the same time as you. (laughs) But that doesn't occur to people. No, I actually do that on purpose. So like I had to get a COVID test to go to a Katie Couric event, like a couple weeks ago. And the first immediate care that I went to, like you had to show that you have, you know, had a test in 72 hours or whatever to be able to attend the event. And the first immediate care that I went to, like had a four hour wait, And the second one had like an hour wait. And the third one, yeah, I went to so many different places. And then I was like, well, tomorrow I'm taking a different route. I was like, I'm going to a different coffee shop. I was like, you know, this is an adventure I don't normally take. I'm going to see a different mural painting. Like, let me see who, you know, what barista I can meet at the next joint, you know? So where does that come from though? Like, where does that come from? I don't know. That's totally just... I'm like, I'm not getting a COVID test every day. So let's shake this up a bit. You know, I'm doing something different. So let's make it even more different. And then I was like, I need to do more different, (laughs) you know, but also listening to different shows and seeing people who are successful. It's true. What they're doing well, you get ideas from that. Like today I ran across this post and this lady was like, you know, I took a 15 year break and I was a mom and then became an entrepreneur and today is national entrepreneurs day. And I'm going to thank two entrepreneurs that have been impactful in my journey. I was like, that's a genius post. Didn't even know it was national entrepreneur day. I'm taking that. I'm going to run with that. I'm going to include that in my next post. Yeah. Right. So one of my keys to engagement, by the way, is going to Twitter. What's been retweeted 179 times. How can I say that in my voice? Going to Quora, 
what's been responded to, going to different sites, going to different bulletins, what is being talked about and really engaged and how can you make that part of your experience? How would you ask that question? How would you respond and make it your question? Post it in your group, post it on your feed, test your audience. Yeah. But pick a popular topic that you're like, hell yeah, to. You need to have some sort of spark of it in yourself. Whatever stops me in my tracks, like if I'm reading a book and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm writing that down. Or if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm like, hell yeah. Wherever my hell yeah moments are, I'm like, I'm making that mine. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Because if you relate to it like that, your people will relate to it like that. Whatever you go all in with and like make it seem great. It's like your enthusiasm around the topic that makes it great. And is that your secret ingredient? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. That and the fact that you don't attach to it. There's your crack. I think where people, I'm like at the front of the queue for that one, but I think where people fall down is that it's, it's personal when things don't don't let it be so personal. Yeah. Evan Carmichael is, he's like such an inspiration to me. I love his lives. I love how he tries to serve people. And he says, if you have an idea, try it. He literally like doesn't think twice. And I've been doing more and more of that. And I see how powerful it is. Look, I have chosen not to do podcast episodes because I've tested my little 650 person audience of my people. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this subject? And I'll get like one or two comments. I'm like, okay, that one wasn't a hot one. And then I'll do another question. And I'll get like 50 responses. I'm like, okay, maybe people will listen to that one. Right. Yeah. It's like my testing ground right there. And I think that's why you get so much engagement is because it's always different. It is so clearly your testing ground, but you're so genuinely interested in getting a response. And when people know that they're not expected to respond, but the response is welcomed and appreciated and counts for something, people are more willing to just jump in. There are lots of Facebook groups. I don't know if you knew this or not. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> and how many of them do you just like sing? Here's another thing too, because like I've joined some of those lots of Facebook groups, like the women entrepreneurs, there's a zillion women entrepreneur groups. And how quickly can I spot a question that's going to lead to you DMing me with trying to sell me. I literally can spot those. Oh yeah. Like the ones that are like, so how many of you women in here have five employees? Because that equates to you make X number of dollars and you can afford my services and you're in the place of someone I want to pitch. I never post crap like that. Or, Hey, drop your Instagram and let's all follow each other. But how many people really are going to follow you and how many people are going to unfollow you? Like, it's just a train of shenanigans. Yeah, I find you have to be really careful how you (laughs) approach those things because it goes back to that integrity. Like, are you genuinely asking a question or are you genuinely trying to sell something? And like, I know in my group, um, I, like I do, I'm, I do try and sell things, but I'm also very upfront about it. And it's based off of the feedback that I get in the group. We really need this. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just create it and then let's, let's do this. But when it comes off as that 
innocuous question that has layers buried underneath it. Oh God. I have one that I like, I have to read you. I got this today and was just like, I, there are people that would literally take this message. They would black out the name and they would show this as like a bad example. There are so many of those. There are. There are. Oh God. I, I, oh, here we go. It's like so fresh at the top because I was like, Hi, Rena. I'm looking for new high ticket closers to work with us. Would you be interested in learning more? Comp is 10K to 30K plus. Let me know. And then the next message after I didn't respond to that lovely, I have no relationship with you message. Just making sure you saw my message. Yeah. I'm finding I get those <laughs> from my podcast. And then you go like you go into Reddit or whatever. And you're like, check this message and boom, 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 boom. Everybody's like spam. You know, it's how many people did he send that to for him to get a response? And okay, so another thing I've done for business, like during this pandemic, is manage people's LinkedIn inboxes. I've done that for multiple people, Mm -hmm. and they will send these campaigns to everyone. And even if you change the name, I can tell it's a campaign. Like, yeah, you can tell. It's day Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Sweet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't even watching the time. I've just been yapping. And that's what's so much fun. Thank you, Celia. Oh, do you want to say hi, Celia? Because we talked about how awesome you are and we talked about your book. So you can say a quick hello. Okay. Hi. Hi, Celia. How are you? I'm good. I'm getting my teeth pulled tomorrow, though. <gasps> oh, okay. Well, I'm glad I'm asking you now and not tomorrow. Oh my goodness. Is this the first time you've had teeth pulled? Yes. Oh, and are you okay? Uh, I'm kind of scared because I like, don't like the dentist and yeah. Yeah. It's not the best thing to go to bed with on your mind, but you know, a very good friend of mine is a dentist and sometimes he's got to pull teeth. And I know that he's extra, extra careful when it's kids, because you want to make sure that you take care of your kids and your kids' teeth, because he wants to see them coming back and not be like, oh, I'm never going back there again. So I bet it probably won't be as bad as you think tomorrow. I'm not saying it's going to be great, but hopefully it won't suck yeah, too hard. I'm, just, I'm scared of the shot like that goes into your gums and numb it. Oh. Because, yeah, that, you said that hurts me. Yeah, but once you do that, you're good. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, still feel something after one or do you need to? <laughs> after the first one, you'll be good. Okay. The second one, you won't even feel. Nope. Uh, okay. Well, I want to put like numbing, like cream that numbs your gums and then do the shot on top of that. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I bet you if you ask, they'll do that for you. We had yeah. a girl on my podcast that got in a bike accident and knocked her teeth out. And I think we're going to call her before the exam. She said she would give Celia a pump-up speech. Here, you can check. Okay. Bye. Bye, Celia. Good luck tomorrow. You're awesome. See, this is mompreneurship at its finest. I actually really love, and that was like a bonus. I love including her in my episodes. I have noticed that. I have noticed. And how does she feel about it? It's made her more comfortable because she's kind of shy. So just like it's made me more comfortable in front of audiences and speaking to people, the more you do it, you hone those skills. I just joined Toastmasters recently to get rid of filler words and 
work on setting the stage and having my stories unfold better. Yeah, that's a brilliant organization. That's a really good one. I know my boys, my twins in particular, they both have YouTube channels and they have had for years. But shortly after I started my podcast, one of my twins, he started a podcast and he's got a very narrow niche. And I love it because sometimes he and his twin brother collaborate on the podcast. Sometimes they collaborate on their YouTube channels and I'll be like, Hey, go check out my twin brother and his channel. If you enjoyed our banter here, you'll hear more. I'm like, Oh my God, look at you guys. That's wonderful for communication and confidence and creativity and all of that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think there's so much benefit to being able to express yourself. And when you're sitting behind the mic you've got that control. You've got that power over what you're creating and you make it the best that you can. And there's so much to be said for, for having, for going through that process, not just like the learning of like the technical bits and pieces, but being able to have that creativity and express yourself and then give it out. And it's funny because like, they'll talk about like, oh my gosh, that video that I did that I thought was going to be awesome. It's been up for two months and it's got seven views or I'll be like, I just put one up and it's been up for 10 minutes and I've already got 200 downloads. Oh my gosh. And then there's a whole discussion on like, well, what did you do different? And how did you do this? And well, what do you think about that? Well, what if we try that next time? And there's a whole strategic aspect to that, which I just applaud (laughs) because that's my love language. Um, Words of affirmation. (laughs) Me too. Words words of affirmation, but, and, but just strategy. Oh yeah, this worked. Let's do this next time. Let's do that next time. Let's, I think it helps with like problem solving and it helps with interactions and it helps with like, there's so much and yeah. yeah. I love it. My oldest has a YouTube channel too. And he, yeah. he's also learned lots of lessons. What works, what doesn't work. He can create thumbnails. He can do the editing. I mean, these skills yeah. are invaluable today. Well, actually it's one of my twins that I get to like rip the audio from all my videos. <laughs> he does all that. So I'll get him because I'm, I just started publishing to YouTube, but I don't Me do. too. Oh Yeah. But yeah, you do, I just recently started. You don't do any solo episodes, so do you? I haven't. Yeah. I did recently just interview my daughter, and so that will be coming out soon. I need to work on doing some solo episodes. Have you done them? Most of mine are solo episodes. I've only done maybe a dozen interviews. So all of my YouTube stuff is, it's just the audio. I don't have any of the video and I don't have any downloads either. Are you boys interested in helping you with that? That could be a good project. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to get my oldest to help me with my YouTube channel. Yeah. And that's the thing that they're like, one of them in particular, he's like, well, are you doing your tags right? And are you doing this? And are you, let me check this because I suspect you're not doing this exactly the way it should be done. And like, he's really into it. And I, I love it. I'm like, yeah. Okay, let him know if he wants an internship. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I help s- with that too. I had somebody else say, would he edit my videos? So now I'm thinking about like making getting him a business card or something. He can, yeah, totally. he can graduate from 
shoveling the snow to something that keeps you warm. <laughs> I told my son, I was like, you need to learn how to do like basic websites. I was like, do you know how many people would pay you to do that? Well, and this is the kid. So they just turned 14 three weeks ago. Yeah. Mine's 13. So they're very close in age. And the week of their birthday, my son came. Yeah. They, and to your son as well. He came booting her down the stairs. And you're so excited. <gasps> you're never going to believe this. I was like, what? I just got invited to the Google Foo Bar. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so he, he stumbled some tripwire. Google has this thing where if you do searches, a certain number of searches on particular topic, like um, he's, he's heavy into coding and always has been. That's great. And so I bought him this course, an online course in the spring, and he's been working through this on, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what the coding language is. That's terrible because I listen so well. Sharp, Java. Uh, It's not Java and it's not C+. It's some Python. 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 Great. So he's been My husband's a developer. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well then tell him that he got uh, an invite to Google Fubar because apparently That's amazing. Google sends out this, it's like a seven stage challenge and you get a certain amount of time to solve each challenge. And then as you progress, you can potentially be invited to interview. And it turns out that the course I bought him was created by a former developer at Google. So as he's working through this and he's doing all these crazy searches, he tripped a wire. So he's 13 and he's like, I'm going to go work for Google. Maybe not this week, but yeah, totally. Like, and then, and then he was nervous. Like, what if I don't do it right? What if I bomb at the very first step and they never invite me again? And I'm like, dude, the fact that you'll learn from it. Yeah. I was like, you're 13. And you got this invite, like the fact that you got an invite that grown people who do coding for a living have not gotten, like, this is massive. You take that as your win, and then we're going to move on to the next, like, this is huge. Is he going to actually go to a Google site or? No, it's all online. online. It's It's all online. online. They send you the stuff. As soon as you like open up the challenge, the timer starts. And if you don't have your information, I know. So he doesn't have to, he's accepted the challenge, but he hasn't started it because you have time to start it. So I think he's like calming his nerves and getting into this. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like I told my parents and I don't think they still understand, you know, like, cause it's such a different world. Right. right. I don't know if my parents would necessarily 100% get that. Yeah. So like what Google Google what? Like, it sounds kind of like a hackathon, (laughs) like how there's all these hackathon type of things. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to have the conversation about like, you don't do this stuff for hacking. (laughs) I mean, your, your kids are going to be employable if they know how to code. I mean, yeah, there's no better area to be in still. (laughs) Still great. (laughs) He's going to support me in his old age. We've worked that out. (laughs) oh that's sweet yeah Uh, funny critters but 
it's really interesting to see them go after what they're interested in. Like your daughter with that, with the book and him with his coding and to see the opportunities that come their way, even at the age they're at and how they deal with them. I feel like so many people during the pandemic have gone after talents. That has been a big shift. Yeah. People have now had time and more freedom and breathability to do that. Yeah. Less commuting, less micromanaging and, and more room to think about what's important. Yeah. Which is a nice thing. A beautiful blessing in this pandemic. And I, hope that that stays when things change me too I feel really bad because your taco is sitting there waiting for you I smell so, it I know. <laughs> I'm like the aroma <laughs> I have my husband tiptoed all the way around because I shifted into the dining room so that they can watch tv because my office still isn't set up in our new house or bleh. so he tiptoed all the way around and made himself something that smells really good and I'm like, oh. so is there anything that we wanted, you wanted to say or cover that we haven't touched on or are you? I feel I was going to ask you that, like, was there anything that you wanted to ask me? But I feel like we had an awesome conversation. <laughs> I would love to have you on my podcast. Oh my I, God. Thank you. Yeah. I loved getting to know you better. Thank you for being a part of my journey for the last year and all of that. Oh, that because I remember when that email or when it wasn't an email it was like a I think you sent me a Facebook message and was like hey I'm creating this group you want to come in I was like cool okay I, I don't really know what this is about but uh okay because I wasn't on Facebook before this like I I'm very new to Facebook oh, um, so this was like a okay, I'll come in your group. Um, and then to watch it explode and to like watch you just skyrocket. And now I know why it's because you try. I it. wish too, that I could figure out ways to be more of service or more useful around kind of the topic that I initially thought the group was going to be about. Like I have a love for LinkedIn and I thought this could be a space where I talked more about that, but it's turned more into just a community and kind of a springboard and yeah. a way to support people on Fridays where you can promote anything. <laughs> have you ever, have you thought about changing the name of it? I have, I was like, should I just turn this into like the better call daddy community? But it's not really that. So I'm like, eh, my people are sticking around. Like nobody, I, I've had a couple people come and go, but for the most part, like, I feel like it's a good group of people that have stayed with me the last year. Yeah. It seems like a really nice group of people. Yeah. People who are actually engaged and want to chat and not just chat with you, but like chat with each other. There's always little conversations that are happening. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I'm happy when that happens. I'm like, oh, oh cool. God, I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that those two would get along, but awesome. No, that's brilliant. I, know, I know most people in there or at least talk to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. No, thank you. This has been absolutely brilliant. I think I covered like two questions off of my sheet, but I've had the best evening sitting here chatting. So thank you so much for your time and all of your wisdom. Holy smokes. It's 
been brilliant. Aww. I actually think I'm going to call this tight or call this episode. I'll try that. I'll try it. <laughs> I love that. that was like the theme the whole the way through. And yes. I loved it. I love, I love that. I respect and admire that so much. I've given a talk on being bold. I really think that people should try that. I'm with you. Like, I'm right behind yourself. you. Yeah. Push <laughs> yourself to do something that you've thought about doing and just try it. Like so many people have ideas that they never take one step towards. Yeah. Maybe it's not even something that you would enjoy. Like once you try it. Or maybe it will pivot you in a new direction or a new opportunity or a new connection, or you'll be able to collaborate with someone. You're very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much for listening this week. I invite you to sign up for my email list or join me in the Connections Coffee and Confidence community on Facebook. Those are the people who get first dibs on any classes or products I create, and they benefit from the extras I can't get into in a podcast format. I also lovingly request that if you've enjoyed this podcast, you leave a review on Apple. When I see a new review, I get so excited, I almost spill my cappuccino froth. Almost. And if you're a woman entrepreneur who's ready to get serious about using the power of communications to grow your business, send me an email at Janice at JaniceFogarty.com. All my details are in the show notes. Thank you again for listening today, and I'll chat with you again next week. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.